AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Welcome to live coverage of the 2024 Top Producer Summit in Kansas City. We are glad to be here, and we are glad to bring you coverage made possible this morning by BASF. I know it's just Tuesday, but when we can get the finalists for the Top Producer of the Year Award sitting in the same place at the same time, you bet we're going to do this week's Farmer Forum. Live from the the cruel city of the Corn Belt via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we feature a cavalcade of attendees from Farm Journal's annual Top Producer Summit. Christine Hamilton, PJ Haney, and Kelly Garrett are all contenders for the Top Producer of the Year Award. And this morning, they'll do battle on our forum. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. You know, doing battle might be a little bit of an exaggeration, Davis. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Maybe just a touch. I was imagining some sort of combat, you know, taking place, and then that's how we choose the winner, right? Oh, no, no, no uh-uh. Oh, no. Oh. It's a- actually quite the opposite of that. You know, they actually kind of, like, work together and share some ideas, and, and here's how we got to where we're at and why we're doing what we're doing. That all kind oh. of stuff. They don't really keep any secrets. Okay, okay. You know what? I was doing some voiceover work for the uh, the World Wrestling Federation earlier. Yeah. I must have gotten my scripts uh Cross, yeah. I get it. This is what I, I have to. It. Yes, communication. Yes. Got it. Got it. Davis, we're going to be getting to the heart of the show here in just a little bit. And Amen. today's show, by the way, is um, uh, brought to you by BASF, our live coverage from Top Producer Summit down here in Kansas City. Thank you. Thank you to BASF for making that possible. Here, here. Uh, we have got to start with some sad, sad news. We learned yesterday afternoon that Bill Northey had passed. Uh, Bill was a friend and a friend of AgriTalk. He was a champion for agriculture and for farmers and ranchers. Um, In his service as Iowa Ag Secretary and USDA Undersecretary. Uh, Davis, one of the things that struck me about Bill was that Bill was a listener. uh, And he was a learner and he was a leader. And it was his ability to listen and to learn that made him that leader. Uh, knowing what to do and what needed to be done wasn't good enough for Bill. Right. If he knew what needed to be done, he did it. Yep. Uh, he was an absolute doer. He was trusted because he earned trust. He was a leader because he earned that. Uh, he was logic in a business where common sense is, is oftentimes missing. Um uh, while we might remember Bill because of his public service, uh, he was a farmer. Uh, yes, he was. He was a farmer over anything that he was ele- ever elected or appointed to do. Uh, and he was a father and he was a husband. And our condolences go out to Cindy and the entire Northy family. It's a yep. tremendous loss 
for all of agriculture. Mm-hmm. I remember several conversations with with uh, well, he was he was then Secretary of Ag, Secretary Northey, um, talking about right. the nutrient reduction strategy. And what what impressed me about the guy was his passion to to help farmers uh, just do things, you know, in a in a way that that benefits us all. He really had a heart for that. Yeah. Yeah, that is exactly right. He didn't, uh, if it wasn't going to help advance agriculture, if it wasn't going to help advance um, farming and ranching, he wasn't interested. Let's not take any steps backwards. Let's keep looking forward and and moving forward. And that's what Bill was all about. And that's part of the reason that we're going to miss him as much as as I already do. Yeah. and just just the common sense that he brought to the job and to the to to his involvement in agriculture, um, it it's uh, yeah it's going to be missed, no yeah. question about. It. Yeah. Big loss, big loss, dude. Um, okay, Indeed. let's get to the news. What do you got? Well, let's begin with that National Weather Service outlook: heavy rain and flash flooding. Uh, the threat expands from Southern California into the desert Southwest Tuesday. Heavy snow for the Intermountain West Mountains through midweek. Temperatures will continue to run above average from the plains to the northeast with record-breaking warmth for parts of the upper Midwest. Chip, I think that part's us. Yeah, yeah, I think that upper Midwest mm-hmm. is us. And it's looking really, really good. Uh, yeah. We've got some potential for some rain at the end of the week. And I'm telling you, up in northeast Iowa, we're going to take it. We'll yeah, take it up. There. We'd about to take it here, too. Well, yep. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken met Mohammed bin Salman, Saudi Arabia's crown prince, in Riyadh. The pair discussed efforts to end the war in Gaza and provide lasting peace. Okay. U.S. officials are hoping that Saudi Arabia and Israel can agree to normalize diplomatic ties. Yeah, that's a, this is an important trip. Uh, th- this is an important dialogue that's going to be taking place. Mm-hmm. And th- it, it's going to solidify the U.S. role there in what is happening in the Middle East. It, it, let's pay attention here, guys. Yep. Well, the Biden administration has sent five senior U.S. Treasury officials to Beijing this week for economic talks. I wonder what they'll talk about, Chip. Well, there you go. We're hitting the reset button again. Yep. You go back to that meeting with Xi and, and Biden in San Francisco, mm. and every everybody came away from that saying that the – that the relationship had thawed. It went from a chilly relationship to a working relationship. Well, here's more evidence. We've got some work that is going to be taking place. So we're we're setting the we're we're hitting the reset button again. Yep. Well, it's at the European Commission has withdrawn a proposed plan that aimed to reduce pesticide use in the European Union by half. This decision comes in response to protests by farmers within the European Union. Commission President Ursula von der Leyen acknowledged the concerns of farmers about the future of agriculture and their livelihoods. However, she emphasized the need for agriculture to transition to a more sustainable production model to ensure long-term profitability. Yeah, the way that they're doing it in Europe, the people of Europe are going to have to transition to a diet that does not include food. Yeah, you, well, that's one way to do it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm not wrong on that. This is—it's yeah. absolutely incredible how she can can say that we need to make this transition when there's no logical plan to make said transition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Well, China's 
biggest solar companies are reportedly expanding in the United States, where they may reap generous government subsidies, according to the Wall Street Journal. The surge in activity is a response to the introduction of substantial production subsidies through the Inflation Reduction Act. There are conflicting views within the U.S. government, with some lawmakers advocating for tougher tariffs on Chinese solar components, while others highlight the need for collaboration with Chinese manufacturers to harness their expertise, capital, and investment appetite. You know, I'm I'm sure that that's what was intended by the Inflation Reduction Act to uh, support those those Chinese solar panel makers. Well, I, I wouldn't I'm, be surprised. Yeah. McDonald's plans to open 1,000 burger joints in China this year, mostly in smaller yeah. cities outside Beijing or Shanghai. The firm is doubling down on its second biggest market, even as many Western companies aim to de-risk from China. Chip? Yeah, absolutely. We keep looking at what's going on with the economy over there. Yep. And McDonald's is not a follower. That has been proven time and time and time again. They're out in front of this one again. So, all right. Good stuff, Davis. Thank you very much. We are live. Thanks to BASF at the Top Producer Summit in Kansas City. Coming up next, we've got a farmer forum with the finalists for the Top Producer of the Year. Christine Hamilton, PJ Haney, and Kelly Garrett here on Agritalk. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us at the Top Producer Summit down in Kansas City, brought to you by BASF. And with that in mind, let's go ahead and make time for this industry spotlight. All right. Joining us, joining us right now, Scott Kay, Vice President of U.S. Agricultural Solutions at BASF. Scott, thank you so much for your support down here. Thank you, Chip. I love that we are here and having a chance to do it. Let's talk about some of the challenges and how BASF is is helping farmers face down those challenges. Yeah, I think at BASF, as you know, we 
we uh, spend a lot of money on R&D every yeah. year. Some $3 million when your listeners wake up, we've invested that day in research and development. And so I think from our side, you know, we're hopeful. We'd like to hit a 100 bushel average in the U.S. into the decade if possible. Yeah. Soybeans, 300 bushels. So you can tell that we our outlook is say, let's let's produce some more bushels. I think in this environment, farmers are going to want to make sure that they've, they're maximizing their, their land yep. and, and with, with yield. And so for me, that's that's got to be a, a plus. I think now now the biggest thing is at BSF, with all that R&D, mm-hmm. we're running probably the largest test plot compared yeah. to any farmer in the U.S. And so my question would be is, are, are farmers able to, to do side-by-sides? Most right. the answer is no. Right. And so in that case, I would say one thing this year in this environment, I wouldn't just be trying something new, right. but that, that they haven't seen before. That they don't have a representative said, yeah, we do this side by side. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. And the other thing that we need to watch is the return on the investment that these farmers are making in the environment that we're in. Yeah, absolutely. Take Tar Spot. We had a yeah. group of farmers this morning. Yeah. We had breakfast with that had Tar Spot. You know, for me, that uh, our 1,200 trials yeah. and the fact that we've captured yield first, a competitor, yeah. I think it's going to really help farmers make a decision. They shouldn't be walking into retail saying, I need a fungicide. They, to me, based on our our data, we should be asking, they should be asking for Veltima okay. to solve tar spot and corn. And and that's that's because we're going to show farmers the, the bushels, like yeah. a 10 bushel advantage in Iowa. Yeah. I know one of your next speakers is from Iowa. And so yeah. I think that's going to be really important that we look for that. So what farmers want in, in terms of fungicide decision, I think they should say, I want the the, the most consistent, highest performing yep. fungicide and highest yielding. So yep. we're going to talk about performance-driven fungicide decisions, not purchasing a fungicide. Gotcha. The ask crit- for it by name. Is ask what for you're it thinking. by name. Yeah. It's critical. You want the longest lasting when it comes to tar spot because we know yep. it's going to start early if you've had it before and then late into the season. Yep, absolutely. We'll talk more at the end of the show. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Scott. That is Scott Kay, Vice President of U.S. Agricultural Solutions at BASF. All right. One of the things that I always get excited about when it comes to Top Producer Summit is the announcement and meeting the finalists (laughs) of the Top Producer of the Year Award. This is fantastic. We've got them all sitting in front of me. Let's start with Christine. I know you sat in the middle because you didn't think you'd have to go first. But here we go. Christine Hamilton, tell us where you're from. Tell us about your operation. Well, thank you. I'm from South Dakota, the south central part of South Dakota, right on Interstate 90 near the Missouri River. And uh, we farm uh, corn and soybeans and winter wheat, have a cow-calf operation, do some backgrounding of the calves. Okay, gotcha. Sounds kind of standard for South Dakota when you get right down to it. What makes your operation different? Well, you know, geographically, going from east to west, uh, we've always been told the 100th meridian, Mm -hmm. which is uh, maybe 70 miles east of where we farm, it gets drier as you go west. So the weather's more volatile, more unpredictable. And so it's, it lends itself to more cattle. Yeah. And, and so that's where we are able to take advantage of crops and livestock together and using the crop re- residue for livestock. Gotcha. Gotcha. We'll talk more about that for sure. PJ, welcome. It's good to see you. Thanks, Chip. Good to be here. All right. Tell us about your operation. Where are you from? Uh, fifth generation farmer from the coastal plains of Virginia. Yeah. Uh, my family, we farm in four counties along the uh, northeast corner of Virginia. Okay. Nestled between the Potomac River, the Chesapeake Bay, and the Rappahannock River. 
And we also have a satellite operation in Arkansas. So we're, we're stretched out a, a thousand miles. Wow. From one operation to the other two States and uh, just, just a family operation. And I'm just proud to be here representing my family. I've done a little driving around in that Virginia area and, and seen some of the agriculture there. Uh, if you're going to farm a bunch of acres in that area, you're going to have a lot of fields, aren't you? What do you got? A lot of fields. There's a lot of 20 and 30 acre parcels yeah. and you, you know, over 150 different parcels of land to keep up with and remember and, and, uh, you know, farm numbers or something don't work. We got a common name for every farm that you can remember. And then, you know, trying to keep all those in your head and then learning new ones in Arkansas is quite the challenge. I yeah. Think. Well, and, and the thing is, if you're going to learn them down in Arkansas, you're probably going to have to remember what two generations back called that farm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. We're going to talk more with PJ here in a little bit. Kelly Garrett. It's good to see you, Kelly. Good to see you too. All right. Tell us about your operation, where you're from. Sixth generation farmer, Western Iowa in the Lus Hills. Yeah. Not the flat part of Iowa, the no. really hilly part of Iowa. Uh, we farm about 7,000 acres. We have a cow calf herd, corn and soybeans, a bit, a bit of winter wheat, much like Christine. Yeah. We also have a trucking company and we have a uh, direct to the consumer beef company with some of our cattle. We, we background the steers, but we finish out the heifers and all natural uh, black Angus meat, meat store in our small hometown of Dow City, Iowa. Yeah. Fairly new on the direct-to-consumer, correct? We opened Labor Day of 22. It's a very new yes. in, in, in the big picture. Is that everything that you expected it to be? The walk-in sales have been much more than I expected, and mm -hmm. the internet sales have been a bit slower, you know, figuring out shipping costs, things like that. I would tell you it's easy to sell ribeyes and fillets, yeah. and I need to figure out how to sell more roast. How's that? That that kind of makes sense. And I'll bet if you could get, you know, two sets of ribeyes off each animal, you'd probably be all right, too. We'd really have a value add then, Chip, <laughs> if we could get more ribeyes. No doubt. What makes your operation different besides, besides the uh, direct-to-consumer? A couple things. Uh, the trucking company we have, yeah. we have that because we work for a business out of Des Moines called Feed Energy. They take the byproduct out of a soybean plant, and then they acidulate it, which means they want about 20% of that byproduct to make a, uh, a liquid feed for hogs, poultry, and cattle. We then take the byproduct from that, so, and that becomes our main source of fertility. So you want to talk about a regenerative farm. We're the yeah. very definition of that. Last year's soybean crop is this year's fertility. We don't, we don't, we buy some nitrogen. Otherwise we don't buy synthetic fertility. The other thing that makes our operation unique is extreme ag. I'm a partner in a website called extreme ag. It's uh, essentially a peer group uh, for farmers. And we, we try to help each other improve their ROI. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. PJ, when, when it comes to your, I don't, I don't think we got into what you're producing on, in Virginia and Arkansas, Arkansas, I would assume that it's corn and soybeans. Is that right? <laughs> and rice. And rice. You got, okay. you got to add that in. Uh, part of our operate in, in Virginia, so mm -hmm. we're typically a non-irrigated uh, platform on sandy soil. Uh, winter wheat, winter barley, uh, winter rapeseed, corn and soybeans. Okay. Down in Arkansas, on some of our non-irrigated land and, and more of our well-drained land, we'll plant winter wheat. Uh, double crop soybeans, but on our heavier clay soils with rice and soybean production primarily. Okay. Again, same kind of question for you. What makes your operation different than those around you? Well, you know, we're, we're learning and, and down in the Delta, 
we've been growing rice for a couple of years and learning that, you know, rice is one of the crops that has ability to, to, to change climate here through the way we irrigate uh, row watering rice versus levee rice. Mm-hmm. You know, research has shown that standing water on soil releases, you know, the microbial activity releases methane gas. So through our partnership, through the USDA Climate Smart Grants, we're looking to shift the way we grow rice from traditional levee production where water cascades from one levee to the next to the next to, to fur irrigating row water and like a lot of corn and cotton and soybeans are irrigated in the Delta. Yeah. And using a method called alternate wetting and drying AWD, be able to get the fields wet, let them dry a little bit, get them wet. And that is a big effort in the advancement of climate change here. So yeah. that's one of the things we're doing. And then, you know, my family, we co-own a rice mill in Arkansas. So part of the, the one of the things that we're doing to get more vertically integrated, as Kelly talked about, we're looking to grow the rice on our farm, process it at the rice mill that we co-own and market that rice under our, our brand of Haney Family Food. So we're looking to really come straight to your dinner table directly and not just be indirectly as a feed commodity. Sounds to me like you guys ought to be hooking up, Kelly. Rice and ribeyes. Rice and ribeyes. <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> it's sounding really yeah. good. Yeah. Okay, so Christine, when we come back, we got to take a break. But we've heard about some of the climate smart agriculture, some of the sustainability, the regenerative farming that is taking place, changing the way that you're doing things. When it comes to sustainability, that cow-calf operation is probably really close to the top of the list of things that are sustainable in this country. People might not look at it that way, but we need to talk about that when we come back. All right, Christine, we are having the Farmer Forum with the finalists of the Top Producer of the Year at the Top Producer Summit. We've got Christine Hamilton, PJ Haney, and Kelly Garrett with us. Uh, Yeah, we're going to continue the conversation when we come back from Kansas City. Thanks to BASF for sponsoring our broadcast. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. BJ, take a look at what's going on in the markets. Kind of some mixed trade in the grains. Yeah, mixed chip. Uh, we're getting a little bit of corrective buying uh, across the wheat complex. So all three of those markets are, are trading uh, modestly to the upside, uh, make corrective buying. Soybeans as well. Uh, and soy oil is being helped out uh, by crude oil, which is firmer today. So we talked yesterday about the outside markets uh, kind of being negative and, and uh, they've turned around. The dollar's lower. Uh, crude oil is firmer. The, the stock market is firmer. And uh, so that's helping out a little bit. Uh, the the yeah. outliers or corn and soy meal, neither of them, uh, they're both trading to the downside just a little bit, but uh, a weaker tone and, and not seeing the corrected buyer interest. Gotcha. Gotcha. Man, you take a look at what's going on in that cattle complex. That's a big move. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I talked about the outside market influence yesterday and, and yeah. triggering some corrective uh, selling and, and a pullback there. Um, those outside markets, like I mentioned before, they're uh, they're positive today, and, and we're seeing the cattle market respond in a big way. So, uh, you know, the, the supply side fundamentals are still fully bullish in the cattle market, um, but you're going to go through periods where um, you do see corrective pullbacks and things like that, but uh, not the case today. Strong gains of both live cattle and feeder cattle thus far. Yeah, well, you know, we're sitting here talking with Kelly. We don't want to talk about breaking down any demand for beef at this point, but everything seems to be holding up. That is for sure. What's happening in hogs? 
Uh, moderate uh, pressure here at mid-morning, so just a continuation of that pullback. It's day five now of, of what uh, started last week of the corrected pullback. And, and the cash market continues to rise, but futures are narrowing up those premiums. All right. Thank you very much, Brian. That is ProFarmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bale hay all day. Sand in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us on this Tuesday morning. We are live at the Top Producer Summit. Thank you to BASF for making that coverage uh, possible. we got the Farmer Forum going with the Top Producer of the Year finalists, Christine Hamilton, PJ Haney, and Kelly Garrett. Christine, as we heard from Kelly and from PJ, there's there's, uh, talk of sustainability, of uh, the climate-smart farming. I, I know that there are farmers out there that right now are hearing this and their eyes are rolling into the back of their head because they already think that they were heard enough about it and they just get a little tired of it. The reality is, is that it's reality it, is that it is here and that consumers are looking for that evidence that the growers that are producing their food are doing it in a sustainable way. Is it part of your operation? It absolutely is. Yeah. Yep. We've been interested in sustainability since 2015, before it kind of became a buzz concept. Yeah. And we've been working with our own plan at Christensen Land and Cattle and our agronomy firm out of New York State, Ag2Go. And we have developed a plan, several dimensions that we measure, and we meet every year and talk about it. I'm personally looking forward to the day when there's a standardized way of measuring yeah. how much carbon is sequestered. I believe that cattle production, which you mentioned earlier, yep. is a sustainable activity. And as soon as we understand how much carbon is sequestered in the grass that we grow, then we can understand how yeah. much the differential is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the the thing that cracks me up, Kelly, is is you look at some of these efforts from on the climate smart farming 
projects and sustainability. They're trying to accomplish things that plants have been doing for years and things that cows have been accomplishing for millennial, turning it into something that we can use. And it it's telling the story and doing a few things a little bit differently, but telling the story about how farming is sustainable. Right. I, I agree 100 percent. You know, nature is not competitive. It's collaborative. And we as humans and producers would sure like to compete with Mother Nature and tell her what to do. <laughs> and we continually get slapped around. Yeah. And I don't know when we're going to learn. Carbon is neither created nor destroyed. It's just transferred. And the cattle speed up that transfer. Yeah. And when we when we learn how to do that, Christine is right pasturing that grass and then having it grow back and photosynthesize is putting the carbon into the soil. Yeah. It, and all of that is very sustainable. I, I don't understand when we're going to figure it out. <laughs> it, it, it's part of the conversation, PJ, that ju we just have to keep having the conversation, right? We have to, we, we have to keep having it. So we all have it fresh on our minds and yeah. our mouths. So we all can keep our foot on the gas and keep it moving. Yeah. So, and, and the thing about it is a lot of farmers who are putting in the work to make that effort and make that change. These are the real heroes behind this climate change. Yeah. The farmers that are doing the work need to be the ones that are rewarded for it. And, Amen. and, and, and that's where I really make sure I, I want to make sure that we don't overlook who's out there tooling the land and make this happen. And they need to be the recipients of the benefit of this. Amen. Amen to that. PJ, what's it mean to you to be a finalist for top producer of the year? You know, Chip, this is an honor. Uh, it's an honor to, to be uh, amongst legends like Christine and Carrie to, <laughs> Kelly to be here because, you know, it, it's a pretty large platform. Yeah. And and I'm just very fortunate that I've been able to to, to, to make as a finalist and, and really looking back just to stand on the shoulders of my ancestors and my family to represent them here on on a level like this that's yeah. that's very positive and important to me family is very very important yeah this is not a one generation effort it's not it's not it's a lot of horses that are under the hood of this engine here that a lot of people don't see and that's really family yeah. that that make up that horsepower to to, to pull yeah. a team together yeah and one thing that i've noticed unfortunately from afar w way too many times is the club that you guys are joining uh, as top producer of the year finalists, you guys, I, I hope you know what you're in for, but th this is, you, you, Kelly, you were talking about the peer group and how important it is. How would you like to have a peer group of all the past top producer of the year finalists? Well, congratulations because you're in it now. It's got to mean a lot. It does. It's a pretty select group. Uh, before we went on air, Christine and I were talking about that. You know, uh, to win would be beyond my comprehension. I, all, all three of us are are very worthy candidates, and to be just to be a finalist is huge. And I, but not even that. Just to have you know, Lee Lubers, the 2014 yeah. winner, good friend of mine. He's been pushing me to do this for a couple of years. I told Christine just to have someone think you're worthy to enter is a big deal. It means you're cream of the crop, and I I'm very honored to be here and among people like Christine and PJ. They're yeah. great. Yeah. How does it change the way that you look at the future? It, it makes me feel like make, maybe we're making some right decisions. I, mm -hmm. I oftentimes, you know, my job is to correct the mistakes, but it, it makes me feel like uh, we've done some good things. And yeah. I, I agree. It's, it's more than one generation and, and it's more than me. I, uh, 
this this uh, what we've accomplished isn't just me it's the whole team the yeah. whole family yeah yeah very cool very cool christine same question to you what's it what's it mean to be a finalist you know it's amazing it really is an honor it's it's unbelievable and you know you wonder how did i get here but <laughs> it it really is um quite an experience yeah yeah it, it, same kind of question to, that I asked Kelly. What, you know, this it it's uh, it raises expectations. You know, you're leaders now. All three of you are leaders in the ag community right now. Uh, but there will be those looking to you for even more leadership going forward. How does that change how you view the future? You know, it's it's very validating yeah. because I've I've spent a lot of time and and folks in my operation have spent a lot of time trying to search out the best practices, trying to figure out how to get better. And to have this kind of honor based on what we do is very validating. And, yeah. and we look forward to opportunities to continue to improve. Yeah. Well, it's going to open up some opportunities for you, PJ. Um, I know that you're open to all kinds of opportunities in the years ahead. I, I get that. But challenges, challenges in farming, you know, we're entering a time period right now where we're looking at that that uh uh the net on the income statement and starting to wonder exactly how things are going to add up in in over the next couple of years what challenges are you looking at on your operation that you want to manage going forward well you know is you're right one the challenges that we can't control weather yeah. price those are some factors that we all struggle with and we don't know how it's going to go. But also as we look to hone in on our own skills to look at what we're doing wrong or what didn't work so well. And, and that's why it's good to be part, as, as Kelly said, of the peer group that, you know, in our industry, we know that iron sharpens iron and literally that's how we do it. But to be amongst other leaders that can help share ideas and thoughts and, Hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? I, I found that that's very, very powerful uh, it, even in my own organization that I partner in other farmers with through the National Black Growers Council, just being able to connect and share ideas and thoughts. And and, mm -hmm. and uh, so so your network is very powerful here. Yeah. Yeah. Haney Foods has got to spread that risk out for you some, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what we're looking to do. The fortunate part is that, you know, now my, my sisters and my family are all able to come together and look at this farming as a different way now that food is in the in the conversation. You know, before I've always been a, a corn, wheat, soybean farmer, and and no matter how many bushels or acres I grow, it's directly for the feed supply chain. Yeah. But but now in the last couple of years, it, the conversations around our family table have changed a little bit, and, uh, and and the food concept because we have a product that we can grow, and we have a we co-own a facility that can process it, and now that's product that can come to your dinner table. So we're all excited about that. You know, my kids are even weighing in and pitching in on that part of it. And it's a little bit different than just How old are they? Behind the stern wheel of a tractor. I have a daughter that's 21, yeah. uh, graduating from college in a few months and yeah. getting accepted into medical schools. I have a son that's 20 years old, a political science major, and I have a 15-year-old. Yeah. So, so, you know, being able to open the door a little bit wider for the future, whether it's in production, it's marketing, it's management, every aspect that agriculture has, we want to be able to present that to the next generation. Fantastic. The challenges that you're looking at, Christine, uh, what are they and, and plans to manage? Well, they're this, the continuation of the challenges we've we've always faced and, yeah. and you know, pricing and prices and 
the cost of inputs we have to deal with. Uh, I think the the main challenge is to stay current. You know, one of the things we did at Christensen Land and Cattle is we diversified out of just the farming and ranching uh, businesses. So we have a meat company in Las Vegas, and we've had it since 2006. And we uh, sell wholesale to casinos and restaurants in Las Vegas. So that's been an interesting ride. Uh, it wasn't always smooth, but that provided us, provided us another way to manage the risk of being in production agriculture. Kind of kept that card hidden until right now, Christine. <laughs> oh, well, you know, no, it's no big deal. We just got a direct line into the uh, uh, Las Vegas restaurant. He moved up my list. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. We should talk. No doubt. Rice with those ribs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too fun. I only got 30 seconds. Uh, Kelly, I know the family is so important to you in your operation as well. Yes. You know, being the sixth generation, uh, you know, two of my sons are home there on the farm yeah. and I've always felt my biggest job was to produce, produce an operation that I didn't have to tell them. No coming out of the eighties. You know, I was, I graduated high school in 1993. I had a lot of friends that couldn't come back to the farm and yeah. I never wanted to say no. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. You guys, this is a tough, tough, tough decision. And you're all, representing what that top producer of the year is supposed to be. And I'm proud that you're part of the event and uh, looking forward to the banquet tonight and looking forward to shaking someone's hand. All right. Thank you guys so much. That is Christine Hamilton, PJ Haney, Kelly Garrett, finalist for top producer of the year. We're going to talk more with BASF next. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us for live coverage from the Top Producer Summit in Kansas City. And a big thank you goes out to BASF for making uh, this morning's broadcast from Top Producer Summit possible. And joining us again, 
Uh, well, I should say, let's go ahead and make time for this industry spotlight. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, joining us again is Scott K. He is the vice president of U.S. Agriculture Solutions at BASF. Scott, we had, uh, you know what? I should have mentioned this morning, agriculture.basf.us. That's where people go for more information, yeah. correct? Yeah. Agriculture.basf.us. Speak to the local BASF uh, uh, agronomic solutions advisor and uh, uh, learn more about what is going on at BASF. Of course, we will mention that at least one more time. Um, this morning, we had a great meeting. Talked about technology and how, how it is helping to offset some of that weather risk and some of that disease risk. People like to look at 2023 crop and say, well, it, all the risk was in the weather. It wasn't. We had tar spots show up in more places than yeah. we've ever had before, Scott. Yeah, abs absolutely, Chip. I think the uh, BSF is going to talk about performance-driven fungicides okay. this year. And and for the observations that you made, yeah. that uh, the plants still looked uh, looked healthier, they, they yielded. And so what we're going to talk about is that having our, 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 our portfolio of Veltima, Revitech and Revilock are are going to be the most consistent, highest yielding fungicides a farmer can buy in 2024. Yes. And how do I make such a statement? Well, we have some 1,200 trials across, uh, most of them across the Midwest, but but up you know in the South, wherever corn and soybeans are grown, we've done trials, and those 1,200 trials are showing us clearly against head to head versus our competition that we're outperforming. Okay, you, you made the comment that in our first conversation mm -hmm. on the show this morning that that you want producers ordering fungicides by name not just i need a fungicide and and i need to do this why why by name what what makes it different well if i so if you and i were farming yeah. we would we would go to our egg retailer and say what's the longest lasting fungicide you have and and we would want the retailer to tell us based on their knowledge of, of the fun, what, what there is to pick from, from fungicides. And to me, they're gonna end up choosing Veltima yeah. or Revitech for soybeans, Vitamin for corn. And then we have a new one, Revilock, clearly is gonna be the longest lasting fungicide for, for soybean farmers in the South. Okay, longest lasting. I know that, that guys obviously are looking for the, mm. the longest coverage or longest protection that they can get. What are you talking about? 28 30 days really yeah and with and with um you know with with tar spot mm -hmm. if you've had it and you're going to have normal weather conditions which is what you should be planning for in your budget you're probably going to have to make two treatments right because you're going to have to you don't want it to you know set in on the corn early in life when and then only you know then uh try to protect it late because the damage has already been done. So I think right. you're going to want to have a protection plan for the whole season. Right. Tar spot is one of those diseases that if you start seeing the symptoms of it or the signs of it, it's already got the plan. And I think, I think, you, I think we're going to start taking weather out of the equation as well for, for fungicides. If you're a soybean farmer and you went ahead and did your normal application on soybeans, I bet if we keep talking to farmers, they're going to say, you know what, I'm glad I've, I followed through on that. Even though I didn't see disease maybe until really late in the year, 
I am seeing more yield yeah. from making that fungicide application. And we and we know why. It's a healthier plant. Maybe it held onto more flowers and pots. Maybe right. it uh it it had a uh, you know, depending on when your application was, had a little bit better, deeper, better uh root system. So yeah. I just think that's why we're gonna talk more about performance driven. Gotcha. So we can talk about in what environment, in what what disease. And then uh, you know, I think farmers are just gonna start when we when we survey farmers. They want a consistent, high-yielding fungicide. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk they about. They want to get paid back. A- absolutely. For putting the product on there. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when we talk with farmers, we just had the conversation with PJ Haney here just a second ago where he was saying, listen, there's a couple of things that we can't control in farming. We can't control the weather and we can't control the price. Well, what I hear you saying is that you're going to help take some of the weather risk out. Yes. Okay. Yep. With 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 these fungicides, and no, you can't control the the price. I get that, but when you're looking at three bushels on soybeans, on average, that's contributing to the bottom line, and that's a return on investment that we're looking for. Yeah, and if, if farmers don't believe us, just log into RevXFields.com. Okay. And take a look. You can look right in your backyard to how BSF's Revisol brands, Veltima, Revitech, performed in your backyard versus our competition. Right, right. But farmers should not walk in and say, I need a fungicide or be sold a fungicide. They should be getting more brand specific and talking about the performance of the brands. You gotta learn more about it. Uh, and you can do that by going to, I had it here just a second ago. Where do we go? Be, uh, agriculture.basf.us, right? That's correct. All right. Or talk to your BASF Agronomic Solutions Advisor and learn how BASF can help growers doing the biggest job on earth. It really is isn't it? the biggest job on earth. It's amazing to me that, that the 1% do so much for the rest of the population. Yeah. And that's the farmers doing so much and, and in all kinds of weather, right? So it yeah. doesn't... Uh, their job never stops. Exactly. Scott, thank you for your support down here at, at Top Producer Summit. Have a great time. Thank you very much. The great show. Yeah. Big crowd. Oh, unbelievable. And and uh, it's energetic. You can feel it coming from these people. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. A lot of fun. Thank God. Appreciate it. That is Scott K. He is the Vice President of U.S. Agricultural Solutions at BASF. There you have it, Davis. Our first show is wrapping up from Top Producer Summit. Of course, we're going to be back here this afternoon, buddy. Kansas City looks good on us, brother. (laughs) Yes, it does. This afternoon, we're going to have a conversation uh, with several people. We've got uh, uh, Josh Linville. You know him, Josh Linville from Stone X, Britt O'Connell from Everdot Ag, and Ryan Jones and Kristen Weber from Precision Risk management we got a lot of market talk this afternoon from tps in kansas city on agritalk